So you want to know what the hell I think? <laughs> well, some people do, um, especially Dr. Michael Bratlin of Chris Daniel Family Dentistry. He uh, called me a while back and said, you know what I want to do a show on? I want to ask questions of you. And so that's what we're going to do in just a second. But first, I want you to see this. So welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer, and tonight we are going to get real, real. Um, it's your chance to find out what you want to know from me, and um, our host is not going to be me because I'm going to be the guy in the hot seat. Our host is Dr. Michael Bratlin. So, uh, <laughs> so Mike, why did you? What, what is this all about? So you you write me. You're the client, so I got to do what you want to do. But you said, Hey, Rick, I want to I want to find out. I want to ask you some questions. Well, it's funny because every time you're around us, whether you come to my office or we've been out in places, you're like a little mini celebrity. So I, I thought, you know, like people come up to you like, hey, Rick, and you got all these fans. And I thought, you know, we should reverse it so that I ask you and hopefully whoever's listening can actually ask questions, too, because I have a bunch of questions. We're going to keep it lighthearted, but just kind of ask a bunch of random questions. And we just want to say for the record that um, unlike the, the current president and our governor here at Oregon, we do not. I have not read the questions first. I don't know what they are. But um, I emailed I, them to you earlier today like you asked. <laughs> no, you lie. You lie. <laughs> You're my dentist. You can't lie about this stuff, Michael. You know what I like the most is like right now, both of us, all you can see is white teeth. Because when you go to Dr. Michael Bratlin, you come out and you always have white teeth. Well, to be fair, you had white teeth when you came, but I just made them a little bit wider. <laughs> a little bit wider. Um, you guys, so we have a new camera here too, so that's kind of, uh, it's a little bit uh, a little bit off on my my language there, but, um, and if there's any, if any cussing comes up, it's not me. Um, so anyway, Michael, why don't you take it away? So you guys in the audience, if you want to ask questions too, Michael will see them. I'll put them up there unless there's something really personal, and then I won't put them up. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna start out first, really basic, just so that everybody, so we can get, uh, so we can actually get to know you. So, okay. uh, first question is just kind of tell us about yourself. I mean, you kind of grew up in Portland, you went to University Pacific, but uh, when you're in high school, did you think you were gonna be in journalism or? No, I, I grew up. I was born and raised in Hillsboro, Oregon. Um, I was a terrible student. Um, I was. I graduated from high school with a 1.67 grade point average because I minored in education and I majored in socialization <laughs> slash partying. Um, so I had to go to community college for a couple of years to get my grades up so I could get into Pacific University in Forest Grove. And my first job, well, I worked at a, my mom and dad had a A&W drive-in in Seaside. So I was working when I was like 13. Then I worked at a drive-in in, in Hillsboro. And then um, I went to Copeland Lumber, a lumber yard. So I worked at a lumber yard after that. So um, and then I did that through college and, uh, I had no idea. I was shy. I took a speech class in high school. got an F because I was afraid to get up in front of 20 people. And speak. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there was nowhere in the world, um, that I ever dreamed. My parents would be like, what, what, who is this guy? 
you know. So yeah, there was uh, it was not my dream uh, to be in, in television or be a be this. So you went to so when you got in University of Pacific, is that kind of what your your you started to pursue, or because you you got a soci sociology degree, right? So I started taking I took psychology and sociology. I was always really really good at. I loved them. And so I took those, but I majored in, in communications and then uh, minored in journalism. And then those two, it got into television and radio. But I, I was probably there. I just picked communication because I knew I could do something. Yeah. Um, but then uh, television and radio came a couple years, like a, a, maybe a year into my college, um, where I started kind of going that direction. Tony's asking, what year did you start at KEZI? Um, mm -hmm. uh, they all go with kids. I, I think it was like 1988, wasn't it, or something like that? Yeah, 80, yeah. like 89, and then my son was born. Yeah, so it was in in the fall of 89. Okay. Um, yeah. How did you get over your shyness? I had a probably never were shy. I wasn't shy. I was just inhibited, you know. And yeah. I think that I just didn't know the ability that I had. And I had a I had a teacher, a speech teacher at Portland Community College, who used to write the Bewitch show. And he, he figured me out. And one day he said, get up and do an improv speech. And I did. And I was really good at it. So I was a terrible speech planner, but I could get up off the cuff and do this. And he looked at me when I finished the speech and everybody was in the palm of my hand. And he says, who are you? And I said, I'm a communicator. And he goes, then go communicate and change my life. That's funny. Cause you know, I got my journalism degree and, uh, and, uh, uh, when I was going through my journalism degree, they always had broadcasters come and they always be like, if you don't go into go, don't go into that business for the money. So you must have heard that, too. Yeah. And I, it wouldn't have paid very well um, had I not been the main anchor. And in those days, you could make over six figures. And um, but today, that's why I got out. I was looking at it going, <laughs> this isn't going to last because I saw how many people were not watching television. And I went, I got to do something, you know, so I got to get out of here. So um, Dr. Bratlin is a dentist. So people were asking, what kind of doctor are you? Um, and yeah, I said, so not, not a psychologist. Yeah. Uh, what high school are you an alumni of? Uh, Hill High, Hillsborough High School in uh, up by the Portland area. Little, it, it wasn't a little suburb. Now it's, you know, 150,000 people or something. The Pacific didn't have a mascot, did they? Yeah, a boxer, the Chinese boxer. Like a dog? Yeah. Oh, but it's a Chinese one. It's a really fancy, it's not like a boxer boxer. I mean, it's a fancy boxer. Oh, wow. Okay, so I got more questions for you. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, your first job in journalism was then at KCBY in Coquille and uh, in Coos Bay? Uh, or my first job in journal and it was in radio and oh, so wow. I, I got my first job in coquille oregon at ks k shore and k bay radio i was the news guy um and i did that first we moved to coos bay and then i drive to coquille um and my wife worked at the news the world newspaper and then um so i did that for like six months and then the television station that was trained in tv they called me and said hey we're firing this girl um can we talk to you? And that changed everything. So you went from there because my wife actually lived in Coquille when she was younger and then uh, they moved to Roseburg. So yeah, everybody that goes to Coquille ends up moving out. So. Somebody's asking me, will I go? Gina's saying, will you go back into politics? Yeah, he's our next governor. 
<laughs> Highly <laughs> unlikely. Um, do you know how many times I've used the F word online? <laughs> it's funny because I was telling Rick just recently, I'm like, Rick, we need to get you back into politics. We need you to be our governor. Uh, okay. I, I just, I, you know, I don't, I just don't see it. Um, I, I think pe people are too, um, I just, I think I can cause way more problems here. <laughs> you know, on the outside, Isaiah says, no, he won't. <laughs> but can you imagine if you're a governor right now, we would not be locked down right now and our kids would be back in school and it would be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's people out there that support what um, Governor Brown's doing, too. So, you know, there's just a, it's a different place. And, um, and you know, I think I know one thing. If I was governor, I wouldn't run to be governor. I would run to lead Oregon. Yeah, there's a big difference. I think too many people want to be governor and not enough people want to just lead Oregon. And when you lead Oregon, that means you can't be a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah. You have to be somebody that goes, hey, what I'm supposed to represent everybody. That's why well, you I got to tell you that Kate Brown did that recently by saying the kids should be back to school, which I got to admire that because that was going against uh, going against the uh, unions. But, yeah. So, so, okay, so Laura says, um, I'm older than Rick, but his parents were my parents' teachers. Yeah, my mom taught at Dallas High School, and um, and then my dad worked taught at Hillsborough High School. He was a speech teacher. And then when I was born, he needed more money, so he went to work for the Oregon Education Association. So, Okay, Rick, how tall are you, and are you afraid of heights? Um, I am 6'2". And I am afraid of heights, <laughs> I am, but you know, I'm not afraid of heights in a, like if I'm in an airplane or a helicopter, I was, I once got strapped on the outside of a helicopter to shoot some video of them picking pine cone or cones off the top of trees. And I was nervous, but I wasn't scared, but mine is a relation to the ground. So when I'm on a yeah. cliff, I'm scared to death. But if I'm in the air or something like that, I've been in hot air balloons, doesn't bother me in the least. Um, yeah, the, I think the closer you get to the ground, the more scary it is. Like I can't look over the cliff, but I can jump out of a plane. Right. Yeah. I haven't done the plane thing yet. Yeah. Somebody oh, said, that'd somebody, be great. You and I, we could do oh that. Because, because oh my, that'd be awesome. Wife, you know what? I'll let my wife do that with you because she really wants to skydive. And I had Eugene skydivers. They offered to do that, and I never answered. No, 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 no. no. I'll, get, I'll talk to you into doing it. That'd be awesome. So somebody on here says, Rick, I want your honest opinion. Do you feel our state should be open? And do you agree with Kate Brown extending our emergency order? Um, to be really honest with you, I think the state should be open. And I don't agree with her emergency order. So um, that's my honest opinion. Okay, Rick, uh, this is probably everybody. Uh, what's on everybody's mind. Who does your hair? You ever put a comb through it? Because I know there's some actors that don't let combs actually touch their hair like me. I usually just. Um, okay, so my hair, my barber is Mario over at um, Renegade Barber Company. And um, it was years ago. I always had an anchor haircut, like just a regular, you know, yeah. stupid haircut. And, um, and I always had trouble, like, getting people to be able to cut my hair right. And then um, I saw a guy with that, you know, that when Brad Pitt first came out with the long in the middle and the real short on the sides. And his yeah. name was Justin. He was at an analog of barbershop here in town. So I started going to him and it started changing it. Then I went to another guy in town and he had it cut like that, but he never would quite do like the, the, the crazy thing. So yeah. I went to Mario and Mario goes, oh, I'll do this. 
So he pushes me to do like to be not 61. And then when I first, I remember when I first went in there and he goes, you know what you're going to do next? You're going to get tats up and down your arm. You're going to get sleeves. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking like, no, I'm not going to get sleeves. Well, yeah. But, uh, let's see. Okay. Okay. That's a good question. So what's, what's on your arm? Okay. So these are all like places, um, that I've been or that means something to me. Yeah. So um, this is one of them's Livingston, Montana, where my son lives. Uh, Pacific City's on here. Mount Washington, that's my favorite mountain in Washington, Oregon. I just, I love the way it looks. Um, uh, I've got uh, Three Finger Jack on there. I've got, so Pacific City, um, Pine. I have a bunch of Montana places, the Crazy Mountains. Um, and places like that that we've gone with my son and hiked and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Why says you got lucky, lucky you on your butt? <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about that one. Uh, he just said, "Tell me about your hair." And I do use a comb in it. Um, okay. But I, you know, I, it, it it is a life of its own. And my wife gets really sick of it because she's like, "If you could." imagine the amount of times in the day like we go to we go to another town we were in montana this lady in her 30s or 40s comes walking over and goes okay i just have to tell you sir you have the most awesome hair my wife just rolls her eyes and my youngest son's with her he rolls his eyes and stuff like that but she goes it's really hard to be a woman and be with you <laughs> you get so much attention for your hair oh, that's because everybody's always hitting on you whenever <laughs> Okay, so let's see. Uh, okay, here's a question. Do you ever Photoshop your pictures on your – you never do. Okay. No, but other people do. <laughs> I well, have, no, that's how you do it because you always look fit, and I'm like, that guy Photoshops. No, I don't Photoshop anything, but I, I have a lot of, um, of scammers that use my picture for catfishing, and I probably get 20 – about 20 a week – um, of women who've been screwed over by some guy using my picture saying he's in love with them. And the weirdest one I've ever had was a lady sent me a picture of a naked body with a man's stuff, his junk, and my head on his body, like photoshopped on his body like it was me. And I'm looking <laughs> going, that's not me. <laughs> I can tell you that's not me. <laughs> You're talking about that, so you actually have to pay a company to kind of to kind of keep an eye on that. Don't you? I have a company I pay five thousand dollars a year to uh, wow. to find as many as they can, and um, it's 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 exhausting. People think, oh, well, that's really cool. No, it's not really cool, and and it hurts a lot of women. Yeah. I mean, there's women who've lost. I have a woman on my page. She might be on here now. She's lost seventy five thousand dollars in her retirement. Oh. Gave it to this guy because she fell in love and thought he was um, the real deal. So. Isaiah says, where would you, if you moved away from Oregon, where would you live and why? I would move to Montana. Um, my son lives there. I love the people, the place. I love the attitude. Um, I love their, um, they, they work together. It's kind of like Oregon used to be. It's like being in Eastern Oregon. Um, and that's kind of one of the places I'd really, uh, really look to. Um, my, and my wife loves it immensely. So. Yeah, I love Montana except for the winters when it's really cold. Yeah, but you know, my wife and I kind of figured out. I think anymore, what you have to do if you want to get away from that that urban yeah. thing that yeah. comes everywhere, you almost have to go to a place that doesn't that has something wrong with it. You know what yeah. I mean? Because you, it's it's 
it's like, you know, mosquito, you don't want to live at the high lakes because the mosquitoes are there. So you got to find it or, or people won't go to the high lakes because of mosquitoes. So you got to find a place yeah. like that, that people go, nah, that's not for me. And you're going, that's where I want to live. <laughs> so uh, Annie's asking you, when are you going to get uh, a tattoo of the Grand Tetons? I, yeah, I, I we were there and I really loved them. So that might be like a back one. You know, I could see the Grand Tetons across my back or something like that. I don't know. That's what my wife goes. Are you going to keep doing this? And I said, yeah, it's kind of addictive. I wouldn't mind doing a little bit on my chest and my back. I'm not going to do my legs. I don't, I'm not a big leg. Yeah. And, and Jason says, are they Nigerian scammers? They are. Most of them are Nigerian scammers. Um, who's doing that. Now, do you have uh, you have a tattoo artist that you go to, or you just kind of? Yeah, yeah. My uh, my tattoo artist is Jake Williams over at Subdermal Art Collective. It's just like what I can see it from here down by Fifth Street. Oh wow! Um, and the interesting story about Jake is, um, I went to him and we started talking, and all of a sudden I realized that I had spoke at his class at Mount Vernon Elementary when he was ten. Oh, wow. um, and he said, I never forgot all the things you said at that school to me. I heard them. And then he says, and then a few years later, his brother was murdered in a horrible murder by Conan Hale. And I covered that murder trial. So we had all these weird connections. And so then it was really cool because I thought you're putting your art on my body and it'll be here until I die, you know? And so not only it's not something hanging in my house, it's like, I'm, I'm advertising for him, you know, which is kind of cool. I mean, I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. He's really, really good. Yeah, he is. And he's a, he's a good guy. So you want, you want somebody like that on your set. Rick, what was your dream job outside of media? What did you want to do? I want to, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a veterinarian really bad. I wanted to, uh, I loved animals, um, but it was too much science and math and my brain doesn't do that. Um, I'm a communicator. I'm not a, uh, a figure outer kind of thing. So that 1.9 might've been a little difficult getting into it. <laughs> well, so, so what it, what was fun was when we, my kids were growing up, we live on a, a little, you know, we had a place we call it the promise farm. It's just a couple acres, but we had goats, pigs, sheep. Um, oh God, every animal, three dogs all the time, cats. And I gave all my shots. I took care of everything. I did the worming. When my goats would have babies, I had my hands oh. inside there pulling them out. So it was kind of like I got to live that dream, but not get paid for it, not have to really do the headache part. So it was just kind of, you know, for me, it was, I, I loved animals. And now I really like having none because it, my wife and I travel so much. It's like, I, I just don't have time for it, you know? And you gotta be committed. It's like a kid, you know? Yeah. Now, when you, okay, so he's outside of your media job, but when you're in media, were you thinking about going to a bigger city than Eugene, like Portland yeah. or like, it was that your dream job to get yeah. like picked up by the big nationals? It was always to go to Portland and Seattle or something like that. And then as we, you know, as life just kind of unfolded here and we, our kids started getting into schools and stuff like that. Um, we, you know, and then we got to a point where we'd go back to Portland and I, I it used to be a beautiful city um, over a year ago, but um mm -hmm. Now I'm glad I don't live there. And and we never wanted to go back because it just get crowded. You know, every time we go back, I can get from my house to anywhere except South Eugene in 20 minutes, you know? And and in Portland, it takes you 20 minutes just to get, you know, three miles. And so we just never wanted to go back. And my family all lives up there. Um, not all of them, but two of my sisters live up in the Portland area. So I'm up there sometimes. And I like, and it is beautiful outside of downtown what they've done to it now, but What's your favorite place that you and your wife have traveled to? Um, Montana. 
honestly. It's just I we we go there and go out in the middle of places like hiking places that nobody goes. I love Alaska too. I wouldn't want to live in Alaska, um, but Montana, um, and it's probably because one of our kids is there, but you just go in and it's like, it feels like you're back in another time. You know, you go to the rodeo in Livingston and they give you a plastic, clear plastic bag filled with ice. And then you put your six Coors beers in that bag and you carry it around like a, a, a poor man's cooler and, you're, and everybody's walking around the thing and I'm going, this is so dumb, but it's, there's something just kind of, you know, real about it. So, um, and then, and everything's so big, you know, you see mountains in Oregon, we have, you know, we have our cascades and stuff, but there's not the massive, you know, you hike in the crazy mountains and you go like, you know, we went 10 miles in and there's nobody. I mean, you're like, yeah. And we have bear spray. <laughs> oh, it's this Jane was born in, in Montana. I, I we visited Wyoming and, and we love Wyoming too. Very beautiful, very beautiful state. What is your strength? Oh God, Gina. I don't know what you're asking me, Michael, but she's hard. I know. What the heck? I was keeping mine easy. What what is your strength? Um I think you know what I think my strength and my weakness are the same thing is deep inside um i'm a super uh, I, uh, <clears throat> um the best word for it i mean honestly it's not like the word i would want to choose to say what it is but i think i'm a super tender dude um, yeah. i think i'm a really tender sensitive guy and it used to always be a negative and now it's become my positive because when you're tender and sensitive, it doesn't mean you're a puss. In fact, I think sometimes you have to be really strong to be tender and vulnerable and sensitive like that. And it used to be something people made fun of me for, and they probably still do, but it's become something that is what my whole foundation, that's who I am. So, um, yeah, I'm, that's a good question, Gina, but that really is. It's who I am is I'm, I'm a tender warrior. Um, because I love people, but don't shit on me because yeah. I will, I, I, I won't beat you up, but I will take you to task and I'm not afraid, but tender people don't have to be afraid. Um, cause we know what it feels like to get hurt and you are not going to hurt me or people on my page. Do you and feel like that was, that was more like people were more personal, like it would attack you personally when you're on like KAZI? Or do you feel like now with social media? No, when I, it's now, and it's it, it's and it was um, it was uh, when I was on the TV, people gave you a break because I, I mean, yeah, here's gut wrench, here's gut honesty. Okay, you're like a pretty face, and, and nobody takes you. The people that take you seriously um, are just the people like, oh, it's Rick Dancer. You know, there it's just yeah. fan call. Um, and, and, and not to put people down. If you like me when I was on the news, it's not, that's not what I'm trying to do, but I'm just saying that the, they perpetuate this image that it wasn't me. That wasn't me. I just stopped down here today. I was going to get a, a diet Pepsi and, um, these people were sitting at a table at the tap and growler 
And this lady looks at me and she goes, I like you so much better now than when you were on the news. And I liked you when you were on the news. But now she says, it feels like you found yourself, like you found the voice that you want and you're using it. And she says, and I don't have any political bent. I just love that you're doing what you're doing. And, and I think the good thing about running for public office is that that cured me of caring about what people said because they were so freaking nasty. People were so ugly. And, and then, so you had a transition. So I went from, oh, the guy everybody loves on the news to all of a sudden, you don't know anything, you're stupid, you're just a pretty face, me, 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 that kind of stuff. So you, you went through that for nine months and then you come out and then you go, okay, now who am I really? I'm not that Rick Dancer and I'm not the Rick Dancer they saw running for public office. So what Rick Dancer, who is he really? And that's when I think the little boy inside of me, the tender warrior came back and said, you know, do you want to keep hiding from this guy or would you like to just become him? But see, I think that when you, you told me a story about when you ran for, uh, for governor, uh, well, lieutenant governor, you were running, you weren't running for governor. You no, were running I was running for secretary of state. Secretary of state. Yeah. Right. And you said that, you know, not everybody necessarily because you ran as a Republican, not everybody actually liked you because you, you kind of held strong to your views. So that's why probably I think it'd be great for you to run again, uh, because you are who you've identified who you are. You're not going to you, you have your own views and you're not going to have a view just because you think it's a political. Right. I just think the makeup of Oregon right now is so confused and and the messaging is so um manipulative that um, I just don't do well in that. You know what I mean? I mean, I, and, and why, why go out this, I guess for me, it's like, why go out and do this if you don't think you're going to win? I but mean, I, I got to honestly think though, that right now that there's so many people, like I got to tell you now that I like, there's so many people out there that just want honesty. They, they they're so, they see this fakeness in politics and the, that everybody's not real. It'd be really nice to have somebody that was just real. And I, I and maybe you wouldn't win, but I'm going to still kind of egg you on. No, I and, I and I get that. But I think yeah. the other thing that I, can't, I kind of feel like is that we as a country and a state need to be cured of the idea that politics changes anything. Because I yeah. think politics, um, what we've seen you know, in this last election is um, it, that's not the answer anymore. I think we are. And I think maybe if we're looking for value from COVID reaction, because it's not COVID that did this. We chose to do this. Um, it's our reaction to COVID that is what's what's happening here and maybe what we learn from our reaction to covid is that we need each other more than we thought we did we need to stand up more than we thought we did um people we don't have to allow people to tell us what to do and i sure as hell when i voted for whoever i voted for and whoever won that i voted for you work for me yeah you i don't work for you you don't tell me what to do i tell you what to do we have the whole boss thing mixed up. I'm the boss. You work for me. And we need to get that in our heads as Oregonians and start saying, wait a second. So if we're not happy with this, despite the people trying to control the message and manipulate the way it works, we get to make those decisions ourselves. And we need to start doing that and raising our voices and saying something, you know, instead of just bitching on Facebook. Um, that's not going to do anything. 
Yeah. So Tom Hunt makes a good point. He says uh, that, we, uh, that the media doesn't like hard questions. Did you find when you were actually working at KZI that that the more you kind of express your own opinions that they didn't they didn't like that? I no, because no, I think you know I think it was more back when I was there, and it's not like in the good old days. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was you know I was a more conservative person than the most of the newsroom. So you know you had to fight to get stories on that you thought were value and you know you were always kind of going oh god you know that again or we have to go to that rally i remember one time i had to go to a PETA rally and there was a woman you know staged dressed in like a clear plastic outfit and then everything she had on underneath was like skin tone so it looked like she was naked and she was wearing pumps you know high heels so i walked up with the cameraman and we said, and she was, you know, making a big to do and they're like, no more animals used in products and stuff like that. And I don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, but I said, so I said to her, excuse me, can you tell me, are those leather pumps that you're wearing? And she went, well, yes. And I said, well, then you're a hypocrite because you're wearing the cow did not give his hide up. He had to die for that. So if you really are sticking up for that, then, then you're a hypocrite. And she said, fuck you. <laughs> and I took my cameraman and we left. And I called the newsroom and said, we're not covering this because this is bullshit. This is just a PR stunt. All the other stations did it. We walked away. So I used to ask hard questions. And I think that's the problem in the media today is I've been on things as my job and seen people, photographers walk up with a camera, put a mic in the person's face and say, okay, what do you want to tell us? Yeah. What do you want to tell us? Shouldn't we be asking something like, instead of letting you tell me what the story is, shouldn't I be asking you the questions that are hard? And we don't see that much anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's why people go, Oh, you're angry because you're bitching about journalism. It's like, no, I'm angry because there isn't journalism. People need to be asking hard questions. That's what we're supposed to do as journalists. And I see online, that's what I get beat up the most for is people don't even want you asking questions. Why can't I ask questions about COVID? And why can't I ask questions about the inconsistencies that I see happening? What If we're from the beginning, it was follow the science, follow the science, follow the science until all of a sudden it became now we're going to take. So the science says that people over 80 are going to be the ones that are most likely to die one in five. But now all of a sudden we're pushing teachers who the CDC says don't 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 need this. I mean, it's good to have it, but they don't have to have it to, to, to open up schools. But the governor puts six thousand te five thousand teachers in Lane County got their vaccines before six thousand seniors who were on a waiting list. So. Why is that? If you ask questions, well, then you can ask the question, well, who's who supported Governor Brown in her uh, her uh, run for office? Well, it was the Oregon Education Association dumped thousands and thousands of dollars in that campaign. So as a journalist, you have to ask those questions. But now everybody acts like you hate Kate Brown. I do not hate Kate Brown. I don't like her managing style and I don't think she's a good governor. But that doesn't mean I hate her. I ran against her. We were fine. I mean, it's not that, but I, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to ask a hard question and say, what, what happened to the science? And we have nobody doing that as journalists and that's their job. They're not, if they don't want to be a journalist then they should go sign up with many of the public relations firms we have here in the state of Oregon and Eugene, they could do that. I mean, that's what it is. It's public relations. 
And so, so Rick, why do you think that's it is that nobody's asking the questions? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that actually want those questions being asked. I know when I went through journalism school, they were saying you 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 can't be biased. You just got to get down to the questions. But nobody's asking those questions anymore. Right. I yeah. don't. I I honestly because you like, know what yeah. I think. Honestly, okay. If you want my honest yeah. opinion, I think yeah. it's because um, there there be there comes this place where people feel like um, this is we are right. And you know what, this is for, and I get people like this on my page. This is for your own good because we know that this, this is so right. The CDC said it, this person said it, this, like, I'm going to trust the CDC. Yeah. Um, here's all these things. I mean, how many times has this all changed around like that? And I realize things change, but it's like, I don't, I mean, but me personally, I don't hate the, I don't, I don't have a dislike for Democrats or Republicans. Yeah. I don't like any of them. I don't trust, I don't trust the Republicans any more or less than I do the Democratic Party. Not people, but the party. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you know, why don't they ask? Because I truly think that they have this, it's almost arrogance or an ego that this is the right answer and you guys just need to shut up and move along and we, we'll get through this. And it's like, but in the meantime, who's asking the questions like, why, why, why? But there's um, people like me that own businesses that love to sponsor. That's why I advertise, you know, Bill London's show because he's asking those questions. And, and it's like- he is the only person in the media in this town who asks hard questions. Yeah. Other people ask questions, but he takes it and really points out and asks hard questions because, um, and there's people that don't want to go on his show because he does that. But I actually like it. And that's why, that's why I sponsored his show. Cause I'm like, I like this guy. And I, you know, it's funny. I don't have to agree with you, but, and, and I think it's important that I ask those questions to even people, politicians and people that actually I like, but you, you got to ask the hard questions. Um, okay. I think that people, um, I think there's also people like for mine, cause I've had people say this to me. I think they're afraid because they think I have a lot of influence and we do have a ton. I mean, you know, we have 250,000 people watch this stuff in 28 days. And a couple months ago it was up to 400,000 because I don't know what was going on, but so there's a lot of people on here, but then I think they worry because they think I have too much influence on people when, what I'm doing is stating things, and then they go, "Why don't you ever talk about what so and so said on the on the left?" It's like we're hearing lots of stuff. I'm take I'm trying to promote the things and talk about the things that no one's talking about, and that go against culture, um, because anybody can get in line and get on the train and just go away, and all of a sudden you open up your eyes and oh yeah, look where we are. It's a, a prison camp, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I am not going to go that way. I want people to have a voice. And so, yeah, if people want to hate me for that, that's their business. But you know what? Um, I think that um, I, I think that when the public understands how powerful it can be if they use their system and use the process, that's what everybody else is doing. I'm doing this. I'm reading this book right now. I can't remember the name of it. Unmasked. Um, and even saying that could get people going, oh, yeah, right wing book. No, I, I wanted to read this. It's about Antifa, a guy that's behind the scenes. And people would be shocked if they read this and saw what was going on and what is going on behind the scenes. That's what people need to understand. And journalists are not asking those questions. Um, somebody asked me if I'm going to get the vaccine. Um, I, I'm not really going to answer that right now. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty open to answering a lot of things. Uh, that's something I, cause I honestly, I want people to do what they feel is the right thing to do. And you know what I mean? I don't want to influence that. Yeah. Um, that's a life or death thing. Um, and some, and that's the problem with COVID 
and the reaction to it is people they see it as life and death i see i see the numbers and i see the science and i see it is it is deadly for people over 80. for people that are older it is deadly. for people under that so let's take care of those folks over 80 or over 70 and make sure they're getting all the stuff they need and they're quarantined if they need to be and but the rest of us you know there's the other kind of death you know like your business yeah. And, 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 and your livelihood and your mental health. I mean, just spend half an hour on Facebook and you realize that there's a lot of mental health issues in people. I had somebody uh, uh, snooze me last night, <laughs> but you can snooze people for 30 days. So I can't be on your page anymore because um, I don't like your BS about COVID and it's causing me mental health issues. Well, that's, it, it's, it's like, that's where we're at as a country. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, just said open your schools, which I totally agree. Kids need to be back in school. Uh, what's your opinion about the schools? Oh, I think they should be back in school. So CDC even says that. Yeah. And, and they're, they're not learning. They're not learning. Yeah. Any parent knows that the kids are frustrated. They're angry. I have parents that write me and I can't get them to go on camera because they're too afraid of the backlash. And they're on there saying, you know, my kids, I come home and he's 10 years old and he's crying when I get home. And I say, why? And he says, I don't know that these what happens in 10 years when those kids are adults. And we had, but see, we don't look about that. All we look at is right now, lockdown, shut everything down. We're not looking at big picture. So when Brown set up her, her task force, where's the business community on there? Where's members of the of the uh, gyms? You know, now I heard her come out the other day and she said, we need to get back to exercising and doing stuff like this. Well, the freaking gyms are closed. You know, I mean, they should have been open the whole time. People aren't re- getting tons of COVID cases. Where are the Douglas County wrote a thing and I'm going to have them on Monday. Chris Dental is sponsoring our show. One of the county commissioners. They wrote a thing and it says you're, you're locking it because they got shut, they were open and now the restaurants have to close again starting tomorrow. And it's going to be detrimental to that community and that county. And, and the, the county commissioners wrote a note and said, what isn't fair about this? I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in my own words. But what is unfair about this is the cases where they found the cases in Douglas County were um, residential homes, nursing homes. I mean, whatever we call them now. Uh, and and family gatherings and something else. It wasn't restaurants, gyms, or any of those kind of things. So instead of going in and saying, "How do you control?" We need to do better, obviously, with the old folks' homes. And how do you t- how do you control people's families? Well, you can't. Um, but but you don't take it out on places where it's not showing up. Um, I lived in Roseburg for a long time. You're not going to control them. They're going to do what they want. What's one story you wanted to make happen so badly with KZI, but you veto, they vetoed you? Uh, I can't tell you a story I wanted to do, but I can tell you that this is an interesting, um, this is an interesting story. They, there was, I, I, at the time I was really vocal about some of my thing, you know, in the newsroom about some of the things I, I, I'm a guy who's, I'm very pro-life, um, and that doesn't stop the typical what you think of as pro-life because I'm consistent with my pro-lifeness. I don't think you should, you know, I, I think women should have the right to do what they need to do. And I wouldn't go in and fight this law 
um, at all, because I think culture gets to decide. If I was a governor and people in Oregon have voted that they want this to happen, then, then I would say this happens, whether I agree with it or not. That's the kind of person I am. It's like, if that's what culture says, I'm not going to go stand on a street corner and do this. But if you're going to, if you're not going to kill a baby, you should, you can't also kill a capital punishment. I don't believe in capital punishment because that's still killing. So if I'm consistent, killing is killing. Um, I don't get to choose who I get to. If I believe God decides that what life is life, then I don't get to choose between one or the other. So um, in our newsroom, people knew that, but there was also a woman I worked with and she was very much on the pro-abortion side. And she always got to cover these stories and they would never let me because I was the guy who was um, the, um, the, the anti-abortion person. And so it was like, you'd always go, what, what's that? You know? So then I remember um, our news director was gone and a story came up about um, something that had to do with that. And my, I, I picked a photographer who had the exact opposite opinion as me. So we keep me, keep me in line. And we went out and we did this story we came back. It was awesome. We turned it in for every award. And that year we got every single award you could get on that story. And every journalist that judged it said, that's the most fair piece I've ever seen on that issue. And so I went back to my news director. I said, that's why you let people like me do it because I am fair. Cause I never let, I always tried to go overboard on the other side, whatever, something I believe, cause everybody has their bias, but you try to, you try to get, you don't hide it. You try to make sure that it's checked and balanced and that kind of thing. And so, um, so Isaiah, I can't remember something I ever didn't. I mean, it was, uh, usually for me, it was stories on people. They'd go, Oh no, we need to go do, you know, do these stupid stories. And, you know, and, and that, that was the most frustrating part. The best thing about being the main anchor was, I could get, I set up, people always called me about the good stories and I'd get them and I'd go set them up so I didn't have to do the crap. Um, I very rarely had to spend my day doing the junk, the little junky news. And that's why I, that's the main reason I stayed as the main anchor. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to post that accidentally first. Oh, don't worry. Who wrote the book? Oh, I can't, you know what? Honestly, you'd have to look it up. It's, he's an Asian a journalist and his last name is something that I would wish I could pronounce. But if you look up uh, Unmasked, it just came out. Um, it's a really good book. Um, it, it, it'll show the, the name of the guy. Personal choice on vaccines, but if they mix it with the flu shot, you'll know. <clears throat> oh man, there's a lot. I live in Douglas County. I'm so sad that governor is shutting us down. I feel sorry for you too, because that's gotta be hard. Michael, what else you got on there, man? Okay, I wanna start turning it kind of funny. Um, okay. if, you, if, if you woke up tomorrow, if you could wake up tomorrow as anybody else, who would you be and what would you do? Okay, there's the name of the book, right? The, uh, the author right there, Andy, right there. That's the author. Okay, so say it again, Michael, so I can get it. Okay. So, so if you could wake up tomorrow as anybody else, and it doesn't have to be alive, they could be dead. Well, that'd be bad. Uh, but what? who would you be and what would you do? Um, I got two. Okay. I'd come back as either Abraham or Moses. <laughs> okay. I, I, because um, I relate to them. They were total screw ups, you know, and yet God still used them to do amazing things and to lead people. But they were, they were, I mean, they were screw ups. I mean, just kind of wacko dudes, you know, and, and they were confused and their lives were kind of a mess. 
And when I read their stories, I just, I, I think of all my friends in recovery and people that have had really, really hard lives and how they've turned those around and stuff. And I think there's a, a lot more Moseses and Abrahams in the world than there are, um, uh, you know, Caesars and, um, you know, and, um, people that, that, you know, to turn people in and, and screwed them over. And I mean, I, 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 just, I like to think that um, we're all kind of um, leaders in our own way, you know, and uh, I don't know. I, 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 so that's my answer. I, I like. So, so this is another question I have for, for you. What do you do on your spare time? So it sounds like you obviously work out. You, you obviously read a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I mean, tell me what you like to read. You like to read like fiction, nonfiction? I do both. I, I'm a big James Patterson fan. Um, I just like his style. I like the way he writes. Um, I just read his John Lennon book because um, he's starting to get into uh, real life stories where he goes back and researches them. And he's done a couple of political ones that I've read as well. But I read John Lennon and then I um, now I'm reading this book. And I also went and bought uh, 1984. Uh, I because I wanted George Orwell because I wanted to see and it, and yeah this is really this yes he does um, and it's really really scary how how much this looks like it um, you know anymore so yeah and then work out I'm my wife and I are we hike we we do you know we're we're at the gym a lot uh, running uh, swimming when they get the damn pools open. Um, cause I, and that kind of, I've always worked out since my dad had a quadruple bypass twice, um, in his life. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I saw what it did to his chest when they ripped it open with a saw and cut his chest open. And I said, I am not going to be on that table. And, um, and then when I had prostate cancer, um, I, I really beefed it up a lot. Like that became my obsession. It was like, okay, there's, I'm eating right. I mean, I don't, I don't eat shit. So I was eating right and doing all this stuff, working out marginally, you know, I mean, not marginally, but like an average person, an hour and a half or something. And, and I think I realized that, um, I had to pick it up a little bit and it became my therapy. Um, it's my mental health. Um, if I don't work out, I don't work out on Sundays, but if I don't work out other days, um, it's, it's like a drug for me that keeps me, um, cause I, I struggle a little bit with depression. I mean, I have, I think anybody in the creative realm does it's, and I, I'm fine with it. I want it to be, I, I mean, it's horrible, but I like it being part of my life. It's like a friend. Um, my depression, I look at it like it's the, it's the person who says, okay, Rick, now while you're down there, go deeper, go look, uh, no, go. You're there. Just go, go down farther. And it takes me back in those places. So my therapy is getting up and I write these blogs that people love or hate um, about things that I think about. And that helps me. It's like that medication that kind of keeps me um, going. What type of music do you enjoy? Um, depends on what I'm doing. Um, I'm, I actually started listening to pop because of the gym. I hear that, you know, so I'm, I'm listening to some of the pop stuff that comes out. Um, you know, my, my old favorites that really bring out my soul is Jackson Brown, uh, Dan Fogelberg, the old stuff, the really, really old stuff. Um, James Taylor, stuff like that. But at the gym, I'm a five finger death punch guy. And I'll put that on and disturbed and just blow my brains out with, uh, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I like 
what do you not like about yourself and why? Um, what do I not like about myself? Well, I don't think I'm a super patient person. Um, you know, all I'd have to do is honestly is um, <laughs> ask your wife. No, I, all I have to do is tell you my wife's qualities. And those are the things that I lack. Patience. Um, here's a really a touch. Here's a really hard one for me to admit. Um, I'm not a fixer. I'm not a guy who fixes stuff around the house. I mean, when we, I've remodeled my house twice and I did laid floors and do things, but I do it when I have to, I don't do it cause I want to, it's not something for, so my wife, the other day, she fixed our toilet and she fixed our shower. Like it was leaking. She got in there, opened the thing up and she fixed the whole thing and she comes out and I brag her up cause I'm going, honey, God, you are like, you know, you're my, you're my plumber. And she loves it. She goes, I just know I can do it. She goes on YouTube. She fixed the dryer one time. Oh, it was broken and she went, she goes, okay. So she gets on YouTube, figures it out, goes down to Jerry's, picks up the part, comes home. And then she calls me on the phone. She goes, guess what? I go, what? She goes, I fixed the dryer. And I'm like, are you kidding me? She goes, no. And I said, how do you do that? She was, I just, I love doing that. Cause she, that reminds her of her dad. So I'm not good at those kind of things that are kind of manly guy things. And I always felt bad about it. And now I don't, cause I know my strengths. So my weaknesses are that the things I don't like about myself is that, and, you know, then other things where you're just, um, you know, I wish I, I wish people didn't bother me as much as they do sometimes. Um, I've gotten a lot better, but there's there's nights when what I've learned to do is I write something and then I see pe certain people's names come in. I'm making comments. It'll come on my phone and I don't look. I ignore them because it just ruins my night. You know, I'm sitting there because I, I think I still think my you know, my biggest flaw is Isaiah. I still think people are awesome. And they let me down. I'm an idealist and I can't help it because I think people, I think we can all be better than we are. And they let me down because I see the, this, the disgusting bullshit and, and I don't like people's bullshit. My favorite food, pizza, my wife's homemade pizza. Oh, we have it every weekend. Hey, Rick, I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, you talk about Kathy and your wife. So you have a wonderful relationship. I see you guys together. So why? Um, because, oh, what is it? I think we just complete each other. And I don't mean that in a sappy, weird way, you know? I mean, I think it's just we've been together since she was 17 and I was 20. We've been married for 41 years. Wow. Um, and, and I, and we've almost separated three times in our life, you know, where we got to a point, we looked at each other and said, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but the best thing I ever did in my thirties was went to therapy uh, because I was turning into my own father who wasn't a bad man, but he didn't understand me and I didn't understand him. And I was doing the same things to my sons that he had done to me. And I wasn't going to be that guy. The worst thing in the world is to me, I don't give a shit what people, you know, when I die, who cares? I'm dead. You know, people always go, well, you don't, you want to be remembered? Well, I don't care how you remember me. I don't, I'm dead. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come back and go, Hey, wait a minute. I mean, I don't care. But to go to my grave and have my sons feel the way that I felt about my dad when he died, that would be purgatory. 
And so I went to three years of therapy and um, became Rick Dancer instead of that Rick Dancer. And that's the best thing that ever happened. So I think that was also part of, you know, our marriage. And I have a wife who's very, uh, Kathy's really, um, she doesn't let things just ride. You know what I mean? She kind of, we address stuff. Even when I don't want to, she'll address things with me going, what about this? And, you know, do you need to talk about that or that kind of thing? So I think we have a really good communication and we just agree on a lot of stuff. Like through COVID, the reaction to COVID, we're on the same page. About the vaccine, we're on the same page. All the things that, so it's not like some couples and there's, you know, it's just difficult things, but I think we are very much um, driven. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, this sounds, uh, I guess, stupid, but... <laughs> I love her. <laughs> I mean, she makes me come alive. You know, she sees me for who I really am. She's known me since I was a kid. She's not impressed with Rick Dancer. She knew me before I was Rick Dancer, when I was just Rick Dancer. Um, none of that impressed her. She never paid much attention. She didn't watch the news every night. She wasn't glamorized by what I did. Um, you know, and when I ran for office, she says, "I, you can do this if you want to and I'll support you, but I'm not going to be a candidate's wife. So if you want me to, you tell me how many meetings I have to go to and that only the ones I have to, and I think she only went to like maybe 15 things the whole time. I mean, I just went because I had to go do it, but she did, you know, and, but she wasn't going to go in there and be that, Oh, you know, and stand next to me and my man, he's going to be such a great secretary of state. You know, that that's not my wife. She would never do that. So I knew. And I think that way it kind of helped when we were done, you know, but that's, that was tough. Gina says, thank you so much for this show tonight. You're an interesting dude and enjoy to watch. I almost feel like a stalker. <laughs> okay. So you, you have stalkers. Yeah. You do? Yeah. Okay, so they're probably not allowed to watch this show. I no, I don't know. No, no <laughs> I, just, I, I just have people that so. yeah, they're kind of stocky kind of people. Okay. But it's yeah, I mean it's okay. You know, I don't they don't nobody gets out of hand. I don't have anybody that gets um, real weird because I think when you're I think when you're vulnerable and open, you know, it's attractive yeah. to people. And I don't yeah. do it for that reason. I think that's just my gift. You know what I mean? When when God like creates people. I think he just gives you something. And if you can figure it out and find it, I want to say this to every 30 year old in the world, because they're so struggling right now. A lot of kids just going, who am I? And what am I ever going to be anything? I, I mean, we were both there. I was there, you know, at a lumber yard going, am I ever going to get into television or what I really want to do? And then you push and push and push and it happens. But I think that when the, the transformation for me is being able to accept Ricky dancer as part of Rick dancer. Um, and that moment when you put those two together, um, I, I think that's a, an amazing thing. And, um, you know, and, and I'm happy with who I am. Are there things I change about myself? No, I don't. I mean, and I don't think I'm perfect. I know I'm not perfect, but uh, that, you know, but all the imperfection things in, that are, uh, that I have, that's what makes me who I am. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And I think people spend too much time trying to hide who they really are rather than just accept who you really are and then go be that. You know, I had a guy tell me one time, Rick, find the thing that makes you dance and dance. Find the thing that makes you sing and sing. But don't live. There's too many people who are getting on, just getting through life instead of living, you know, and, and you have to come alive. And there's a lot of dead people walking around out there. 
And until you can come alive, what are you going to do? You have to find your purpose. You know, you have to have your thing. Um, what shows are you watching on TV, Netflix, or whatever? Um, I can't remember the names. I can never remember the names. My wife and I, we have no regular television. We just watch Netflix and Amazon Prime. But my Yellowstone, I loved. I mean, we paid for it. It was like the best. When it was over, we both looked at each other and went, we could tell by this last one. It's go, oh my God, this is it. This is going to be the last one. You can just tell because there's building and building. And then it was, and we're like, oh. But we keep switching off and we, we finish because we go on, you know, we'll watch two or so a night, you know, and then we get on these things. But I can't, Isaiah, I can't think of anything right now um, but the name. Rick, your story, especially the dad part, touched my heart so much. Well, I'm glad. Um, there's a lot of boys out there, I think, growing up the same way that I did, that with dads that are really super busy and they're not bad people. But, you know, what I needed was um, I needed a dad to show me how to change the oil and and do that so when i was remodeling my house it was like one of the most therapeutic things because i had to do it we didn't have the money to do it we wanted nice things in our house so if i wanted the nice real solid wood doors i had to lay three quarter inch brazilian cherry floors sand it and finish it and i did it i mean i learned how to do it and stuff but is it something it's not something that drives me now my my two sons are much more better much better than that. I mean, Jesse could tear apart a car. Jake would he could figure anything out. He's like his mom like that. So I have three people in my life that are like that. And then I'm this guy that kind of goes, Yeah, that's why they have mechanics. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's why Ron Sturry is my mechanic. I just take it to him, he fix it. I'm the communicator. I, but I, I think there's some truth to that too, you know, is is you know, let, let the dentist be the dentist, you know, let, let the communicator be the communicator. And then we all have a role in life and you don't step on each other's toes. Um, I'm not saying people that are handy. I, 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 I'm so envious of people that are super handy, you know, that can just do that when I see my wife and I have to fight it. I'm just now starting to really get it with her because she'll go, um, you know, she'll fix it. And I'm going, God, I should be doing that. I mean, I should be doing that but I like that she's doing it, but I feel like society thinks I should be doing that, but I don't want to do that. You know, so finally this last couple of times she's been doing so much and she's like, finally I just said, you know what, Rick, you really need to be complimenting her. And, and then when I did and I went in, I said, honey, I really, I, I admire you that you can do that. I can't believe you fixed that thing. Um, and she goes, yeah, I really like it. She doesn't rub it in. She's just like, she enjoys it. So now all of a sudden, and that elevates our relationship to another point um, because I'm starting to see the value, you know, what we both bring to this thing. And it's not male or female. It's two people, you know, bringing things to the relationship that way. So. Oh, okay. Uh, let me just a second. I got some more questions. And if anybody else has, anybody else has any questions, this is a good time. You guys are really good yeah. at this. It's kind of therapeutic, actually. So now I'm going to have to cut it down. When we go over, you know, I try. You know, I stay under an hour because when I go over an hour, I can't just stick it right on Instagram. <laughs> I have to go edit it because they only let you put an hour on. So I always I'm watching the clock when people are doing it, and I'm going, "Gotta hurry up! I don't want to edit this. I don't want to edit this." Okay. Do you believe in aliens or ghosts? Do you believe in what? Aliens or ghosts? That aliens are ghosts? No, I said, do you believe in aliens or ghosts or Bigfoot? Do you believe in any of those things? Oh, um, no, okay. I don't. Okay. I thought maybe you'd be an alien. He says, pick a superpower. 
Ooh. Isaiah. God, you're good at this, Isaiah. He's yeah. um I pick a superpower. You definitely would have a cape. Oh, well. <laughs> you know what? If I had a superpower, I, if I was a superhero, I'd also have a kilt. Ooh. If you could be ballsy enough to wear a kilt. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because you, I mean, like a, like, you know, that gladiator or something. But yeah. if, so if I had a superpower, you know what it's honestly, Isaiah, I know what it would be. And, it, and this would be one of the, because every superpower has a real negative to it. But I would love to be able to read people's minds. Ooh. You know, like, or, or be able, and I don't want to know what they're thinking necessarily. But what I'd love to be able to do is like, if you looked at somebody because I do you ever do this. I, I get in the like the airport and I see two people and I'm looking at them and they're kind of intriguing. And I'm thinking, I wonder what their story is, because I'm always looking for the story. So if I could look at people and instantly know their life story of where they've been and where they've gone. Oh, God, that'd be such a superpower. And because then I just go through the airport you know, terminal and going. Oh, and then, because then you'd know, oh, they're having a hard day. So you could go over and I kind of have that gift. There's something, there's something that God gave me that I feel like it's like this weird thing is I can sense when people like the right things to say to people sometimes, like I'll get in a situation and they're doing something and I'll go, what are you like? And I, I think that's why I'm a good interviewer because I sit, look at somebody and go, okay, so how come you look like that right now? What, what did that, what happened when you said that? Something twitched in you, something moved in you. What is it? And every single time they'll start to cry or they go, it's just so hard. So I know there's just something and it's not like I'm doing a technique. It's just I know when to pull. And I, I've always known that. And I don't know why. And I feel like it's just something that God just deposited in me and said, here's here's the thing that's going to make you able to do what you do. Um, kilt and fly. <laughs> well, if Joshua, when I fly, I would wear underwear, superpower underwear, of course. But when I'm just out normally, I'm not going to wear underwear under a kilt because I think that's part of what makes it a kilt. Do you have the legs for a kilt? No, I'm a skinny dude, but I have an upper body that's a little bit buff. So I could kind of pull that part off. God, you guys are now you're getting really personal. This is a good question. Have you ever done an interview in either underwear or shorts? Because you know how you're. Oh God! When I used to, when we used to work at KZI nights and weekends, when I you know different shifts and stuff, I never. Um, you always wore shorts, and you just had your suit. You wore a, a shirt with a tie and a jacket. If you didn't have to go out, like when I was on weekends and stuff, I didn't go out and do reporting a lot. And so then you just have those on, and you just go up. Or when I worked the eleven, <clears throat> so I worked the evening news. So I'd go home and have dinner. When I went home and had dinner, I'd put on my shorts on a summer night and then I'd just have a t-shirt on. I'd go back to the newsroom, do my writing, put on my shirt, my tie, put on the jacket. And you had just shorts on underneath that. Yeah. We did that all the time. It wasn't even, it wasn't even like something you thought was special. It was just, um, it, Stacey says, this is the content I crave <laughs> out of all the places you have traveled to. Where is your favorite place and why? Um, I got two different things. One is, well, Montana is going to be there just because I've had so many great experiences with my wife and my sons where we've gone hiking and you just come out and you're going, can you believe we've been there? I mean, that we've got to go there, a place like that. I also was in Alaska and I'm going to play this story one time on these new shows I'm going to be doing. But um, I was in an airplane, a little teeny airplane made of metal like this thin. 
And the guy starts taking me up. He was the one who owned the lodge where my kid worked. And he had this plane. I don't even know what it was, but it was like a pretty low budget plane. And he f we're flying over these mountains in Alaska. And it was just beautiful. And all of a sudden he looks down and he goes, oh, my God, there's a lake in that mountain. So on the top of this mountain is this crystal blue lake. I mean, we're high. And he says, um, gosh, do you want to land? want to go down there? And I'm like, well, can we get out? I think, well, yeah, I think so. I go, no, no, no. Think so doesn't really work. We're in the middle of the wilderness. No one knows this lake's even here. And you're going to land. Can we unland? I mean, can we get out of there? And he goes, we'll find out. And he starts landing. And we land in this lake. And it's like a moon crater because, you know, nobody's ever been there, you know, and you, we got out and we're walking around and we're both like little little boys. We're going, oh, my God, this is like nobody's been here. And we're on the top of this mountain and this lake and we're going over and looking over the edge. And you can look on these sheer cliffs, you know, and it was like it was amazing. We got back in the plane, took off and it was like the best day of my life. I was like, that is just absolutely phenomenal. Um and then I've been to Guatemala and I've been to, to um, uh, Romania. And those were really fun trips because you've got to see different kinds of people and that kind of stuff. But really the stuff in the mountains and stuff is really where I think are, are the greatest. Pick between your personality and looks. God, he, he's hard, isn't he? Personality. Between you your personality and looks. So I can only have one. God, you know, that's why that's so hard because they're kind of interconnected that way. But I, and I don't know, I don't know, Isaiah, because I love my, I like my personality, but I like my look too. And if the answer I want to say would be, I'd want my personality, but my ego answer says I want my look. So I did, if, if I had to absolutely pick I honestly don't know that I could. I'm thankful for both. Um, but the look gets you the attention, you know, to get people interested in what you do. And I think, um, I think, I don't know. I just think they go so much together. That's a really, that's probably one of the hardest questions I've ever had to, because I don't want to give up any of that. Um, it, you know, because I think my personality is my look and it kind of they kind of intertwine like that. And I get what you're doing. And I don't want to be a typical politician kind of sounding dude and say, well, uh, you know, but I think it is, um, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What would you do? Me? Yeah. Oh, I would take personality because when I, you know, I remember in high school, the kids, the kids that weren't attractive, but they had great personalities. Everybody wanted to be around them. So I definitely. I See, I think for me, part of that is because I think growing up, I don't felt like I never felt like I had a great personality mm. growing up mm. I, because I was so shy and quiet. So sometimes I always mm. feel like, you know, this is a, this is, a, yeah. you know, something learned. But, but I'll tell you, the other thing is when I was in the news business and stuff, um, I kind of your look was everything that they made you to be. And it was all about that look. They didn't want you to have a personality. And what I discovered through storytelling is that my heart um, is what told the stories. I, I, I won awards, not for my investigative journalism. I won awards because of the stories I did on people. Um, 
when I go in and ask the hard questions and, and, but, but hard questions in terms and those kind of stories were, you know, why do you do what you do and that kind of stuff? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, you know, uh, I think, I think anybody can be attractive. Uh, uh, it's a personality brings, it makes somebody more attractive. I mean, we've always met those people that are beautiful and then you start talking to them like, okay, never mind. Right. And, and, you know, I can tell you, well, I, I've been lucky because, you know, as I'm getting older, people are, you know, my, my look is better than when it was younger. So I'm lucky. My dad was like that too. I'm very lucky that way, but it's, um, it's not going to last. <laughs> you know? I mean, at some point the wrinkles in my forehead are going to be more like the Grand Canyon and all those kind of things happen, but I don't worry about how I look. I mean, I get my hair right because, you know, I, it's, it's important to me. Um, I like my beard to look a certain way, but, um, you know, I mean, somebody says, what do you think your best feature is? And I said, I think it's my eyes. Um, I think I've always had the, the, the eyes that just drill into people and look at them. And I've always felt like that was my gift. And it's kind of the window to your soul, you know, so it's easy to look through them. Looks can be gone tomorrow. Remember, personality lasts forever. And, 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 and Isaiah, I really love that you asked that because you may not. I'm going to think about that. Um, because I, he, he said, I don't know if you saw Michael, he said, cause I said, that's really hard. He goes, that was the point, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I hate, I also don't want to sit on here and go, Oh, it's my personality. Cause that sounds, I mean, that's a struggling question. And I hope that people, other people would have to struggle with that too, a little bit to say, you know, how much we do kind of look on there. Oh my, seriously, personality makes you who you are. Okay. What? That was you. No. Are you talking to yourself again? No, I, that's kind of freaking me <laughs> out. I don't know how that got on there. Maybe your wife's uh, on a, one, another one of your computers. You're going to start believing in ghosts. I've had that happen before, and I don't know how that happens. Because if there's somebody has access, I don't know how that. Is either a stalker or a ghost. So maybe I do believe in aliens. Right? <laughs> Does Kathy make the same pizza every week or do you switch it up? Never the same pizza. I mean, she has some that are like her taco pizza or something like that, but she's my wife. She always is looking for something different and she will never put pineapple on a pizza. What? She doesn't like sweet. She doesn't like sweet. My wife isn't, she doesn't like sweet, um, anything like that, but she makes, um, she made a Reuben pizza the other night. And so the sauce is horseradish and sour cream on the sauce and then she had corned beef and um sauerkraut and one time she put pickles on it and you don't cook the pickles in the sauerkraut you put it on afterwards and oh my god it is so amazing i mean really good so okay so it sounds like you're the that person that goes to a restaurant and you pick different things almost every time yeah, a, a lot and you know, my, my boys, I, you know, it's so funny when you get your kids get older, they start reminding you of you. And the thing I learned really early on was um, to ask whenever I go to a restaurant, a lot, most of the time, unless I really know what I want or I've been there before, um, she, um, I will go to the people and say, well, what's your favorite? Or between this and this, what would you pick? And I trust them and I do that. And that's how I learn what the good stuff is because people, what they work, and, if, and then you know a good, a good, uh, attendant too, yeah. because if somebody says, "Oh, I don't know, what are you in the mood for?" No, that's not what I ask. Yeah, these then, then they, they don't actually eat there, right? These two <laughs> things 
which is the best and good, a good waiter or waitress will go, well, I would do this because da, 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 da. And then I'll do it every time. And that sells me. Even if it wasn't the best when I got done, I still love the fact that they did that. Um, besides your wife's pizza, what's the best pizza in Lane County? I just had a really good pizza at Gridiron and it's not in Lane County, but it's in Lynn County. And it was really good at Jack's place. It was good. Um, honestly, like if we don't get, um, I love Mozzie's pizza. Um, they are really good. A little bit greasier than my wife's, but greasy isn't always bad. Um, and a lot of times, um, if we go out, we hardly ever just get pizza out because Kathy likes knowing what's in her pizza and what's on it and stuff like that. So, but I think, um, uh, Mozzie's is great. Um, uh, <clears throat> and I've had other ones. I just can't remember. I'm still waiting for the return of 2002 Rick dancer style. I think I might have to bring it back for Halloween, bring back some real good looks. <laughs> <laughs> There was a question, a couple, a couple of questions back about bucket list. Can you can you read what the question was? Like, um, oh, here it is, Rachel. Yeah. If you have a bucket list, what on that list are you looking most forward to doing or accomplishing? <clears throat> so, Rachel, here's what. Um, when my wife and I were in on my birthday and my what am I sixty? So my. 57th or something birthday we went to montana and we there's a pine creek pine pine creek trail and it took us eight hours to get up this thing and we came we got up to the top and it was like it's just like something you've never seen in your life and we came down and i went i said i looked at my wife and i said you know what honey i think i think we're i think we're i don't have a bucket list but i think i'm living it and then when it happens, I go, that was on my bucket list and I didn't know it. So I don't have this list like I need to go to Italy. I need to go to this place. I need to go to that place. It's really more this um, this this thing, you know, where you're going, oh, my gosh, I'll never forget that moment. I mean, like we went to Granite over over the um, over Granite, Oregon. It's a little or Sumter, excuse me. Granite's near there, but Sumter, Oregon. And we were doing one of our series. And Kathy and I get there and we're staying um, <clears throat> in a little hotel there and we go into the bar and the place is just packed with people. And by within three minutes, everybody knows who we are and what we're doing. Well, they're also shooting this show about gold mines um, at the Bourne mine and the, all the uh, people from the show are there. Well, we don't watch gold rush or whatever it is, but there are all these stars in the room. So the whole place is filled. We're like these media darlings. They're like media darlings and everybody is buying each other drinks and we're staying like three doors down. So we just walk and we're not dangerous or anything, but we walked out of there and we went, that was so fun. So I think that's for me that my bucket list is like kind of just coming about and, and it's, I, I find it when it's done and I like it that way. So I'm not planning an expectation. It's like, I look back and go, oh, that was when that God just put on the list and went, see if you have fun with this one, Rick, name something you'll never do again. Give us a fun answer. Something I'll never do again. Wow. What's something I never did? Cause you're thinking, yeah, how would I answer that? Um, Isaiah's a good, he's good at this. There must be a game or something that he's played that this is uh -huh. questions and answers and stuff. Um, what is something you'll never do again? The first thing that comes to mind 
is is run for office. <laughs> um, I would never, and, and that's my real answer. But I'd, I'd put a caveat on that too to say I would. No, I, I'll tell you what it is, and this is well. That, that isn't a fun answer. I can't. I, you know what, Isaiah? I don't have really fun answers. I'm not. I'm a pretty deep dude. I mean, I like deep conversations, but I will never be. Um, Rick Dancer, who was at KZI again, yeah. ever, and I will never be. I will never be the Rick Dancer who was prior to prostate cancer. Um, that guy died. He got cancer and he died, and this is the new. This is the this is the version I was always supposed to be. So I will never go back to being that person again. Um, and. That I mean, and that's not funny. And I'm sorry, but I don't really have a funny answer for that. I don't, um, you know, I've, I, you know, I, I've, I would dance naked, again. You know what I did? You want to know something funny that I did? I'll tell you this is what, and I would do this again. When we lost the race for Secretary of State, my wife and I went to like five of the places all over the state we always wanted to go to, and one of them was at the two. Tutuui in down in Gold Beach. I think I'm saying it right. Something like that. But it was off season. It's November. You know, nobody's there. We get there. We had this beautiful room. And I looked at Kathy and I said, and there's a, the, the Rogue Rivers right there. And there's only one other couple somewhere way down in the hotel thing. And I, Kathy, goes, I said, you know what? We should go run naked down like on the beach uh, by the river. And she goes, Rick, I am not running naked. I said, I am. I stripped down. I was bare ass naked and I ran up and down the river and I screamed at the top of my lungs, fuck you, and just ran and just screamed. And I, I up and down the river like this because there's nobody there. And I came back and she goes, that was so weird. And I said, oh, God, it was so cathartic. I feel so much better. And I would totally do that again. I could tell you more things that I would do than that I haven't done. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, I think people are way too hung up on, on something. I was going to say that too. Um, Tony, what is something that you see in your sons that you're glad they got from you? Um, your hair? Are they any of them bald? No, uh, neither of them are bald. Both of them have pretty good hair. Um, They're, they're super different than me, but they're like me too. I, I like, you know what I like about them? They love their mother a lot. Um, they care about people, both of them. Both of them, if you were to describe both of my sons, you would say that they're very kind. In fact, Jesse, my <clears throat> fishing son, um, that's the that, that that's the one word every person's ever said it. They're kind, but and Jake is really kind too. And and caring about people. When they were little, the best compliment I ever had was we worked at Camp Creek Elementary, and um, there was a kid who was a, a troubled kid, and nobody wanted to work with him when they teamed up in class. And the teacher came to us one time and she said, "You know, I can always put Jake or Jess with so and so." And, and, and they'll be nice and they'll, they'll do it. They don't like it and they don't, it's irritating, but they, they are very kind to him even when they don't want to be. And so <clears throat> I always thought that was like something I still remember because that describes my, my boys um, to a T is they're very kind people who care about people. Jake works for, uh, he sells electronics and 
he was at Best Buy and they didn't want to hire him back because they little old people would come in and say, well, I need to buy a smartphone. And Jake goes, so um, do you use a computer on your phone? No, then you don't need a smartphone. And they'd buy a $500 computer and Best Buy would want him to sell them a $200 insurance plan. And Jake would go, no, why would you buy a $200? Half the price of the computer. They could come get a whole brand new computer. There's no sense in doing that. That makes no sense. And so he was really honest. And Jake has, he does not lie. My <clears throat> Jesse stretches the truth. Jake would never lie ever. When he was a kid, he'd do something bad. He had a party at our house once. Hundreds of people came. We were gone. There's pictures posted online with people in my closet wearing my ties and suits, these kids in my closet. She got home and I go, Jake, we have personal papers here. You cannot have people. I'm not just another dad. You can't do that here. And he learned his lesson, but he told us, we asked him and he said, yeah, that's what we did. It got out of hand, you know? So he always was real good about that. So that's what I'd say. They're just, they're really kind and loving people. Um, you know, and I, I mean, you know, we're all irritating, but they're, so they, they have some irritating traits of mine too. What would you sing at karaoke night? New York, New York, Frank Sinatra. I've done it a thousand times or Kansas city, you know, I'm going to Kansas city. So that's what I'd always would sing. I liked you on KEZI, but I like you casts your casts even more. These. Okay. That's awesome. I'm glad you do. They seem like they like adventure. Yeah. Both of them um, are, are very adventurous in their own different kind of ways. They're, ne um, they're nowhere near their mom and dad on that. <laughs> I mean, even, I mean, Jess, my youngest will go hiking and he goes in these places, but you know, we get to this thing. I think we're probably done. And Kathy's like, I don't know. And I go, Jess, let's just go. There might be something just to learn on that corner. We should just go there. And they just, you know, when they were little kids and we went hiking, my wife used to go get gummy bears and she'd have a whole bag full of gummy bears and we totally bribed them. We'd make them walk for a while to hike and they go, we want to go back here, gummy bears. Oh, and then we like a little trail and we'd go up and then we'd have Snickers bars. I mean, we just got richer candy as they got farther and farther on the trip and we get to go do our hike and the boys were happy and fat. And <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, gosh, I should wrap this up. You got it. Michael, thank you. You guys, this was Michael's idea and I, you had, it. You, but I'll tell you what. Um, okay. So now I get to, now I get to get you. So Michael's a client and we do a lot of work together and I do a lot of work for him, but Michael's like one of the people that comes up with some of the best ideas for me. And I, and you just keep your mouth shut. Cause I don't want you getting overly involved at this part, but Here's the thing. He really cares about me and I really care about him. And my business coach every year makes us sit down and say something. I don't think I told you this. I told your wife, but I, I haven't told you this yet. So you're going to find out right here. But she sits down and she says, who are the three people who've made the biggest impact in your life this year? And I said, Kathy, KL, who's our business coach. And I said, and Michael Bratlin. Um, and she goes, really? And I go, yeah. I said, I was sitting here thinking, and that's the first name that came up because you've made a huge impact on my life, not only as a business partner, but as a friend. And I don't mean that we're not in business together, but I work for him, but you help me a lot with other kind of things. And I really appreciate you. And this was a great idea. I didn't know that it would do this, um, but I think it was a really good idea. And I do, I, I do respect you a lot. And I'm not saying that to kiss your ass because I don't have to do that. I, you know, we're working together, but you, uh, you helped me a lot and I love your ideas and, 
I know you're one of those people that people go, oh yeah. yeah, I'll say people that know Michael. I said, oh my God, he always gives me ideas. Yeah, thank. Yeah, he's always coming up with another idea, another idea, another idea. And I'm going to see for me, I have my earpods on and I'm running and I get this ring, ring. Hi, it's Michael. Yeah, I have an idea. No. You? And then he's the first time I did it, he went, what? And I go, no, you always call me and say, I've got an idea. But they're always like that. I like that relationship that we have working together. So, yeah, I think that's um, – so, yeah, there. I wasn't planning to do that, but there. that's um, I do uh, have fun doing this with you. And I think this is a really good idea. But so, so I, I have one more question for you, Rick. So now that you're – tell, tell everybody about your schedule because now you're kind of starting to have a schedule that's kind of a regular schedule. Like, Oh, you mean – oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. – Michael's idea too. Um, so no, no, I, I didn't say that. Because no, but no, but this is your idea. So we used to do them at noon. Now most of our shows are at five o'clock. Um, Monday through Thursday, we'll always have a show, even if we don't have one scheduled. And I'm doing something like this, um, you know, that's not a um, not like a guest or something like that. We will have a show Monday through Thursday, um, every all the time. And so then we're also now promoting it on our website and online to tell you before the week starts that this is what's coming up this week. So you'll kind of know what's happening. Um, but always be aware that we throw stuff in that may not be on there because like Douglas County Commissioner, I have a show scheduled for for uh, Michael on Monday and I've got a guy coming from a radio station in uh, Cottage Grove. He's going to talk with us about some kind of heavy stuff going on down there. But now I called the county commissioner in Douglas County. said, would you come on and tell me how the weekend goes after the governor shut you down again? He goes, I'll be there. So we're always going to be flexible that we can throw stuff on there, but it'll give you an idea of what's going on. So where can everybody hear you? Facebook? You, um, have, you have a podcast too, correct? So now we've started doing a podcast on, and, and you can get it on Spotify. You can get it on uh, Apple. All of them have it. It's just called Get Real with Rick Dancer. Mm -hmm. And I'm taking every show that we do, and I'm putting it on the the uh, um, the podcast. So you'll find it <clears throat> on there too, because we find that so many people, especially younger people, don't have time to sit and watch the videos, but they'll listen mm -hmm. online. So, um, yeah, I, I think we've had about 800 hits on that you know i mean it's been really successful so um and then the other thing people should know is some of you have said to me you kind of complain that and i don't mean that in a bad way but that you can't comment and it's because if you're on this when i do this right here this goes on three different channels at once it's on youtube on my go go dancer <laughs> page it's on get real with rick dancer and then it's on my personal rick dancer page if you're on the personal Rick Dancer page and you're not one of my 5,000 friends, which I don't know all of them anyway, um, if you're a follower, you can't comment. That's Facebook. That's not me. So if you want to comment, you should go to the Get Real with Rick Dancer page and like it, and then you can comment on that page where this airs. And a lot of people don't understand that. So you need to be on Get Real with Rick Dancer if you want to comment if you're not one of my 5,000 closest friends on Facebook because I have 13,000 people who follow me on my <clears throat> personal page and none of them can comment and i get emails all the time going why wouldn't it let me comment well that's facebook yeah our audience just of people on facebook is close to forty thousand. on youtube we have thirty-five thousand. on instagram we're 10 or 20. um it's a it's a big bunch of stuff um hey isaiah thank you um yeah, you you know, dude, I really like you. <laughs> you yeah, here's my co-anchor today. Yeah, 
But you had some great questions. You make me have to think. And I think, Michael, I, I'm looking over at you going, how would you answer that, Michael? <laughs> you made everybody think. And you, you're very good at that. I, I, I admire that in somebody. Um, but, yeah, you had, some, you had some great questions, too. Michael's uh, between the two of you, that was, that was really fun. I'm going to go home and go, gosh, I hope I didn't say anything. I never worry anymore. You know what I mean? I say so much stuff on here, I don't even worry anymore. Um, so, Michael, <clears throat> Monday we will have your show. And it's, I, it sounds like it's going to be really exciting and interesting. All right. Yeah. Thank you for being our sponsor. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk to you later. Love you, man. Thank you. Love you, All right. See you later. All right, you guys. Um, hey, if, um, for those of you on YouTube, if you're waiting, the next video that's going to come up, um, you, you need to watch it. Because this is a guy last night we had on a local rapper who will blow your mind away. He wrote a song about COVID. It's all shot here in Eugene Springfield. The video is in the video, in the, the, the live that we did. But what he has to say is so powerful, it'll make you cry. But that video is coming up right now.